4 o'clock football frenzy is presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. You might want to talk for the next five minutes. You know how fired up I am. I, look, I, I, got, I had... We had competitive eaters on. Juan, like two minutes in, just starts laughing at me because he remembers. I start getting crazy over this competitive eating stuff, and now we've got a, a couple, mm-hmm. and there's a rival couple, and Juan used to date Mickey Sudo. And by the way, Sudo's boyfriend or husband, whoever he is, he's actually he's probably better than Juan at the hot dogs. So like, this is like a real-life budding Rivalry in competitive eating. It is. Well, and it's and, and it's a legitimate yeah. sport, man. Like like people, I think will only hear will hear chestnut and think hot dogs. Joey Chestnut has the record in terms of like competitive eating at fifty four different foods. Yeah. Come on, man. That's that is. He's something. a machine. It, no, he's a incredible. machine. What what he's done is incredible, and you know uh, we still lament the fact that Kobayashi uh, could be near him, and he's been out for the longest time. It's a uh, it's yeah. definitely a it's a weird deal. Can I also say, and this leads to, I always say this, the best and greatest like documentary of any sort that I've ever seen was True Life, I'm a Professional Eater. And watching Kobe, and I, like, there's two others, and just watching what they do. It's incredible. Well, how about the one the one restaurant almost like forcing him to torture himself? Yes, the three bowls of noodles, and they had to, they challenged him every time, and they and he had to do it. He felt obligated to do it, and one of them was like a spicy dish, like he's in there, and he's just eating it and hammering it down. Or the the sushi train, like when he's out there, he's just playing plate, 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 plate. Oh, such a good! Diet. I want to go back and watch it again. Football frenzy time. You know we're gonna have a lot of stories developing during the football season of dudes who are on the verge of getting a big contract and maybe it turns into a disaster and they don't get the big contract. I I love this one. Baker Mayfield knows his worth, likely won't take a discount on his contract. A discount according to who? Right. Like, does Baker Mayfield, I mean, he can try for it. Do his reps for one second think he's like one of these $35 million men? I mean... Inflation, all that. They, they probably think he's somewhere close to thirty-ish million. Just a franchise quarterback, right? Like that's- if if Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, I'm just gonna. I'll, I'll even go. This is gonna sound crazy. I'm gonna say it's low. I'll go low. Right? Their average year, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson is thirty-six million dollars a year. What's Baker Mayfield? Twenty-eight. Is Baker Mayfield better than Kirk Cousins? I think he has the potential to be. I okay. think he's in a system that makes him Kirk Cousins-esque. And that's part of it, right? Like, do we know his true value? Because his is a system that is very reliant on a running game and play action. And not that anybody could do it, right? But that it maximizes his talents because it kind of hides him to a certain extent. But he, I mean, look, you know me, I like all these things. He graded really high last year. He had a grade of 81.6 as a quarterback, according to PFF. Like He's been really solid for this team. And the games in which he has had to throw, he has been pretty good. But, right. Well, the year down, one yep. up, year two down, year three up. What if year four is down? Mm-hmm. So what do you think he considers a discount? Does he Would he consider $28 million a year a discount? Because, you know, Lamar and Josh Allen just signed for 36. Because I don't consider that a discount. I think that's about where he ranks in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He's he's not a top ten guy. Top fifteen, right out, sure. right outside the top ten. Is he better than Derek Carr? I don't know. 
but I, I can't say no, but I can't say yes either. He, I don't think he is. I don't think he is. Now, mm-hmm. the, now the difference is age. Mm-hmm. But you know, if if you're if you're Derek Carr's people and Baker Mayfield signs a deal early and he's getting like thirty four million dollars a year, aren't you like we're better than he is? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, he's got longevity in terms of right. Derek Carr. That's the difference. Like, I have been consistently at this level for longer, obviously, so I should be making more. But I'd also say, to be fair, if we're talking about the peaks and valleys of his career through three years, his valley, well, and again, this is just one metric. It's not the everything. But uh, like a PFF grade of 74.4 is not terrible as a quarterback, right? It was a, it was a relatively down year, his second year. But we're talking about two years in which he's graded over as an 80 and been relatively consistent two out of three. And in that kind of a system, again, we can talk about value and the way that they play football. I still think if you're starting like if you're starting a franchise and you're stuck with Baker Mayfield, you're in a better spot than I would say half of the teams. Coming up, uh, the numbers are out for week one of the college football season. Uh, we usually give a lot of our football guys a break during the summer until things start heating up, but it's starting earlier and earlier now. We love Brad Powers. I think he's one of the best college football handicappers, information guys out there, and Brad's going to join us here on this Friday to start looking ahead at some of the big games of week one. You know, I think we're like 59 days away from the beginning of the college football season. Dust in the heart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live from the Finley Toyota Studio. The notion of converting a student to a paid employee is something that is utterly antithetical to the whole principle of intercollegiate athletics. It completely changes the entire notion of what college sports is all about. You know what? I think you might be right. If college sports is all about exploiting people, then yes, paying athletes would absolutely change the entire notion of what college sports are all about. Happy birthday, America. It's the 4th of July. I get to wake up in your freedom. Sometimes I wonder why Seem like everybody's pissing Nobody loves America Like Toby Keith No one We're going to have to play this whole song later on It is it is great The lyrics are, are tremendous No one loves college football Especially when he wins uh, Then Brad Powers Brad Powers We haven't talked to him in a while Brad's up with JVT. Second time today. Talked to him this morning on VSIN. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't know that. Uh, Brad, what's going on, buddy? Hey, what's happening? Long time no talk. Uh, we're fired up. I, I'm bouncing off the walls over the hot dog eating contest because you know me. I get crazy. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's nice that in some states uh, you're able to bet on that hot dog contest. I know. And you know what? It's uh, We're going to go over the odds later on. The women's field actually has – like real competition now because the best eater is out. She's pregnant. So uh, there's some intrigue there to see if someone can pull the upset on the lady who finishes second all the time. So would you, do you ever, do you ever stray into those waters? I mean, you're a hardcore better. Do you ever start doing exotics? Yeah. From time to time, especially if someone that I trust uh, that follows it a little bit more than I do, that I deem maybe an expert has maybe a tip. Yeah. I've, I've dipped my toe in the water from time to time in the exotics. Who's, All right. your, who's your hot dog guy? Who's your who's your who's your hot dog insider? <laughs> Come on, we need some tips. Uh, I, I do have a guy that follows do. it uh, from time to I time. I have a but guy. Yeah I, yeah, I do have a guy in the hot dog contest. That is awesome. 
Uh, week one lines for college football. When did they first come out? I mean, I was sent uh, some of the offshore numbers this week. Uh, when did we first see them? Uh, as far as all 50 games, I mean, bet online a couple days ago. Okay, uh, so that was the first time. Uh, there, yeah, the, the major games have been out for a while, right. um, at least a month. But we're talking that was only maybe 10 or 12 games. But as far as all 50, just uh, released this week. Okay. Did you see anything on uh, the first day? Is August 28th. You got UTEP, New Mexico State, UConn, Fresno, Nebraska, Illinois, Hawaii, UCLA. Anything in that group? I bet UCLA minus nine. Uh, it's moved five points already. I thought that was off at least a touchdown. I think the line should be 17. I think that's where the line will close around. So I'd still lay 14 with the Bruins. Mispricing there, and I just think you said this is going to be Chip Kelly's best team. Uh, and, look, they lost four games a year ago, the Bruins, uh, by a combined 15 points. I mean, I think the narrative about UCLA football would be completely different. And you changed two plays in their season a year ago. Uh, we they'd be talking about it being a top twenty-five team instead of a team that that uh, is going to be on the outside looking in. I'm sure you've handicapped for this, and uh, you tell me if there's an effect of Hawaii now not really having a stadium and basically playing at like <laughs> an expanded high school stadium that they're they're building. Does it does it matter? Do they ever have a a great home field at a you know a third full Aloha? Because now Max they're going to play in front of his nine thousand. Yeah, maybe 10, 15 years ago when they were getting 35,000-plus fans, uh, you know, it, it would have impacted it. Lately, though, their crowds have been very sparse. If anything, if they're selling it out and it's full and everyone's close to the field, yeah, yeah. I'd argue that it might be a net positive for Hawaii. I mean, the major home field advantage for Hawaii is still going to be the same. That's, uh, are you treating it like a business trip? Yeah. Or is it a vacation spot for the opponent? Are they used to traveling to the islands, or they aren't? I mean, that's not going to change. Thursday, September second, we got a bunch of games. Central Florida, Boise. Uh, I'm seeing three and a half. Where's the number now? Three and a half. But uh, this is the the beauty of Week One. You can shop. You know, shop around. South Point released Central Florida minus ten. I bet Boise State <laughs> plus ten in that one. So the question is. When do I want to look for a middle? The, the, the middle for me would probably be UCF minus three. So if it gets that low, then, then that's where I'll go. Believe it or not, you know, my favorite uh, the bet on September the 2nd, and I'm just Here not playing uh, play Kate to you. Yeah. I, I laid 11.5 with Rutgers. There I'd still is. lay 13 with your Scarlet Knights. I don't think people realize the job Greg Schiano's doing there. I mean, last year they won three Big Ten games, could have won a couple more. You're talking about a Rutgers team that had lost 20-plus consecutive Big Ten games heading into last season. He was already behind the eight ball considering it was COVID. They returned 20 starters. He's recruiting at a very high level as far as the future classes go. Rutgers, I'd lay that one as long as it's under two touchdowns. I'll also mention in that game, I think uh, three guys they stole from Temple uh, may actually crack the starting rotation, though certainly four Rutgers, uh, or be in the, uh, the, you know, the first two rotation. Yeah, Temple had a lot of guys transfer out. Uh, multiple starters. Temple was an absolute mess last year. And, and well, they'll be improved this year, but, again, they were a bottom 10 team nationally. This isn't the Temple team that we've seen, starting with Matt Rule, uh, that, that was a really solid program for about a decade. That's just not the case right now. Hey, Brad, really quickly, circling back to UCF, I kind of noticed when Chris over at the South Point put out those games of the year, they were in a couple of them, and the market moved against them, I think, in a majority of those contests. Is this like an anti-UCF thing? Is just the you know, odds makers a little too high on them, or is it just a coincidence in those couple of spots? 
Excellent question. I think I don't think it's necessarily an anti UCF thing. If anything, you know, I think they upgraded at head coach Gus Malzahn coming over. I, it was just a thing where I thought Chris Andrews is a little too high on UCF. You're right. I did fade UCF multiple times in those lines. I bet Boise State in week one. I bet Louisville, who was catching a touchdown against UCF, and then I laid Cincinnati against UCF uh, in a home game less than a touchdown. That one, all those lines moved uh, several points. It was just a case of Chris being probably three, four points too high on UCF. So I do know the answer to this because I had the honor of talking to you this morning, but for those who are listening on Terrestrial Radio here, uh, your highest graded team or highest upgraded team in terms of from last year to this year is? It's the LSU Tigers, uh, a team that I got up double digits. So what does that mean? It means I would favor LSU by about 11 points over what LSU was at the end of last season. And keep in mind, they ended last season on a high note, upsetting Florida and beating Ole Miss. I mean, in the middle of the season, I mean, I'd, I'd probably it'd be even further than that. But LSU basically goes from a team that had to replace their entire two deep after the national championship game, or at least their starting rotation. By the end of last season, they only had like one or two starters that had played in the national championship game. This year, now they got 16 returning starters. They've done an excellent job of recruiting. They're going to be much improved, and I think probably the most improved team in the country. The question is, you know, how's the market going to treat them? Uh, right now, it looks like it's in line with my power ratings. Uh, even though I'm very high in UCLA, I think LSU deserves to be about a touchdown favorite in that game in week one. What is your relationship with Ed Orgeron? Because I am not the highest on, on Ed O, and I think it was somewhat telling that you lose your two coordinators as well, and they take the dip that they did. Uh, <laughs> it would be a mixed relationship <laughs> with Ed Orgeron, uh, just like his results the last couple of years. Um, I, obviously, he's not a great X's and O's guy, in my opinion, but he's an outstanding recruiter, and we're going to see. Uh, I mean, because obviously he's got two new coordinators this year, uh, and, and I, I like the hire, especially on the offensive side of the ball. The question is the defensive side of the ball, because you know his first couple options he wasn't able to get, including Marcus Friedman, who ended up at Notre Dame. Uh, and he had to settle for his third or fourth option. So that's the question, how improved the defense can be, because they were an absolute disaster. I'm talking the worst defense in the history of LSU football was their 2020 defense. Brad Powers with us. Uh, the Big Ten did not do you know several of his teams any favors by pitting them against each other right out of the gates. Is there a game you look at and you're like, man, that team ain't going to be ready? Because I'm seeing Ohio State, Minnesota playing, Michigan State, Northwestern. I mentioned Nebraska, Illinois. Is there a, a team in that group where you're like, they're, they're going to be less than ready? Oh, great. Uh, great question. Uh, you know, the one that I bet was Michigan State getting seven and a half against Northwestern. Northwestern's going to be really inexperienced after a really good season a year ago. Look, I like Pat's, uh, Pat Fitzgerald. Uh, he's one of the best coaches in the country, uh, and he continues to exceed expectations. But, you know, it's more of a buy on Michigan State than, than a fade against Northwestern. And the buy on Michigan State is, I thought Mel Tucker, their first-year head coach, was a, up against it more than any other coach in the country. He was hired uh, after the recruiting class was already signed. So he's hired in the third week of February. Didn't have any spring practice. He was still able to pull a couple of big upsets last year against Michigan. The other one beating a, a very good Northwestern team. I think Michigan State matchup-wise matches up well with the Wildcats and getting more than a touchdown when they're the much more experienced team this year. I like Sparty not only plus the points, but I wouldn't put a pass him to, to beat Northwestern a second consecutive season. Is Oregon laying too many points against Fresno? Uh, another good question. You know, Fresno, keep in mind, plays a game in week zero against Connecticut. 
So I'm kind of, mm. you know, I, I don't want to bet that one right now. My power ratings actually would would favor, you know, Oregon in that one as far. I mean, the Ducks have recruited very well. Last two, three classes are two of their best classes they've ever signed. So they're extremely talented. Uh, that one's to be determined. I need to see what Fresno State does against Connecticut in week zero. All right. Uh, everyone was betting Alabama coming out of the gates. <laughs> Uh, thoughts on this number, and I saw someone the other day on, you know, just a rando on Twitter kind of laughing at Miami's chances. Miami has no chance, plus a big number here against Alabama? Uh, it's all about numbers. Uh, <laughs> and I know, and I know uh, Alabama, it, it, Alabama coming out of the gates in these games is unbelievable. It is unbelievable. So Nick Saban's never lost one of these games straight up as far as a season opener, and he's only failed to cover twice. And I think this is going to be his 15th season. And he's always playing ranked opposition in a neutral site game, although I don't know how neutral this is going to be. This is in Atlanta. Alabama's played multiple games in Atlanta the last few years. And on top of it, they will have 90% of the crowd's going to be Crimson Tide. So, I mean, I give Alabama at least a point and a half, if not two points, of home field advantage here. I did bet an early number. I bet against Chris Andrews. I laid the 13 and a half. It's one of my favorite bets that I've made so far. I can't talk myself into Miami unless it's 21 or more. I'll just put it that way. I thought San Jose was pretty good last year. The season didn't end the way they wanted it to, but uh, you know they got they got talent. They certainly they they have they don't have the talent that USC has overall, but like in individual spots, they've got high level Power Five talent. Uh, 16 and a half, 17. Can USC cover that? Oh, I'm I'm not in the business of backing. Play Helton too often. Hmm. Although you know, I think USC super talented, top twenty uh, nationally as far as the pure power rating goes. You're right, San Jose State's program improved about as, as much as anybody a year ago. Seventeen was a fair number. Look, I made twenty five week one bets already. That wasn't one of them, so I didn't see too much value there. Brad Powers with us, BradPowerSports.com. Couple more games to hit on, John. You want to jump in? Well, I got a really important question, actually, yes. Brad. Yeah. Um, I'm just wondering, how do you downgrade Clemson now that we know that uh, Dabo Swinney's going to quit because players are getting paid? <laughs> yeah, Dabo. I mean, would move a point spread, uh, <laughs> not significantly, but uh, he would be one of those few coaches that uh, <laughs> I would downgrade. I mean, obviously, that's uh, the marquee game in Week One, Clemson, Georgia. I, I, I certainly think Clemson deserves to be the favorite, but. Uh, another one where I, I'm just not going to – look, I, I think there's a lot more value uh, on a, a Georgia Tech game than, than, against Northern Illinois than a uh, Clemson-Georgia game, the marquee game of the week. Uh, game here, BYU and Arizona. BYU, pretty big favorite. I thought I'd be on Arizona just because, you know, BYU I downgraded about as much as any team in the country outside of Buffalo. Uh, just, I mean, you start a quarterback. I mean, historically, a great quarterback for BYU, at least going back the last 20, 30 years uh, for the Cougars. On top of it, lost a lot of other guys. And they had a historically great season a year ago. But 10, I thought, was a fair number. I mean, that's the number I put on the game. Arizona's going to be better, but uh, obviously a big rebuilding project there for Jetfish. But, uh, yeah, in, in there in town, that'll be an interesting game. The game that I can't wait till the line comes out, if we're talking hometown, UNLV against Eastern Washington. I'll just tell you guys flat, uh, blatantly, Eastern Washington's going to be favored over the Rebs. And if they're not, I'm going to have a big ticket on Eastern Washington. All right. Uh, last one, you always, you always have a strong take on Florida State. And, like, are they ready to turn the corner here? Because they're getting uh, – what are they getting? What's the numbers? A nine and a half against Notre Dame? 
Yeah, nine and a half. You can shop around and get ten and a half if you're looking to bet the Knolls. They'll be much improved, but uh, you know I think Notre Dame deserves to be right around a nine point favorite. If you're talking about you know bet n- uh, numbers, not teams, this is one I've already went for the middle. Chris Andrews opened up Notre Dame minus six. I bet the Irish there. Ten and a half at William Hill. That's still available. I, I took back a little bit on Florida State. My number is nine. And obviously, when you're talking through two very key numbers of seven and ten, I'm open the middle of that one. Well, Brad, we uh, you know we want you on our uh, weekly schedule, so I'm sure you're going to be busy. So uh, hopefully, we can do Thursdays during the season at uh, that 4045 slot, if I can say it, the 445 slot. I appreciate you coming on, man. I, I, a guy like you, you must be like, come on, man, let's just get going here. Like, it, like you now that you see the numbers, like let's start kicking the ball off. Yeah, I'm in that group, but, you know, I don't necessarily want to wish summers away. I mean, yeah, I still yeah. enjoy my summer. <laughs> Take a that Happy fourth to you guys and all the listeners out there. Thanks, Brad. We appreciate it. All right. Take care, guys. There he is, Brad Powers, bradpowersports.com, and uh, a lot of publicity there for the South Point and the fact that they opened the numbers early on. Uh, William Hill's got a lot of the numbers for games of the year up, and then uh, we're talking about one of the offshores as well. Is there anything that you've already jumped on that you were already fired up about? No, not at all. I'm not an early like off-season college football guy. I tend to uh, prepare during the off-season and get started as it goes along. Not my strongest sport. Well, you've also been super knee-deep in well, the NBA. And that's the thing. You know, we're talking about time off. I was joking with Aaron Renning, who's a really big basketball better as well. Like, I'm going to get like a month off, then i got to start working on the NBA again. They're, like, they're starting in October. Yep. Uh, but that all said, the numbers that he was mentioning, those opening numbers, absolutely are great reference points in college football and especially the NFL. You always have to be looking back on those to see what changes as the season goes along because there can be massive gaps. Well, and if you also, if you respect those sort of things, it also gives you an indicator, sharper betters like Brad, the early moves are, tend to be sharper, right? Sharper betters will get in early. The public better is not going to fly out to Las Vegas to bet on a game that is not going to be played for, you know, 50-something days. So t- the the early moves tend to be sharper, and it gives you an indication of where the market is going to hit. The phone lines are open. Join the conversation on Cofield and Company now by calling 702-364-1100 or tweet us at Cofield and Co. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. When you think 4th of July, you think fireworks and maybe even hot dogs. Well, one Tucsonan is taking those thoughts a little further by eating as many hot dogs as she can. For the last several years, I've gotten second to Mickey Sudo. And she's one of my best friends in the world. And she's out this year because she's pregnant. The title's mine for the taking this year. Don't have to friend me battle at the table. It's just a matter of whether I bring it or not. Yeah, that was courtesy of uh, ABC Tucson. Uh, Michelle Lesko is the uh, woman who was speaking there, not the anchor. But uh, she is the favorite to win the hot dog eating contest. She's minus 1,000 at some books. We just talked to one of her chief competitors, Sarah Rodriguez, who's in New York right now with her husband, also eating in the Nathan's contest, Juan Rodriguez. So Lesko mentioned the point that the best hot dog uh, eating female in the world, Mickey Sudo, is out. She's pregnant. And... uh, the Vast Sound Crew listens. Lotus Vast Sound Crew listens. Yesterday, I went on a long tirade about Molly Schuyler, Molly Schuyler, right, who is the number one woman in the world when it comes to eating. There's not even a question about it. But because we've talked about MLE is the one that oversees major eating, oversees the hot dog eating contest, uh, they only want their eaters to eat in their contest. 
so they shut out other promoters, eaters. Molly's the best. And Molly Schotter was just in something called the Z-Burger eating contest. These go on all over the country. Dude. A Z-Burger, I think on the East Coast. I know there's one in D.C. And uh, she actually tied a dude for first place. Uh, this was earlier today. Did you see the number? No. <laughs> they threw down. They ate uh, 34 hamburgers in, I think it was 10 minutes. I think. I'll get the time. Wow. But yeah, her and a guy named Dan Kennedy. But she's a monster. She's the best. I think she's the best female leader in the world, but does not eat for MLE. And she probably, she should have been eating the last 15 years on Sunday at the Nathan. So 34 and 10, huh? That's nuts. Couldn't do it. Oh, there's no way. Couldn't do it. You know, you notice when we were talking to Sarah Rodriguez and, and Juan, Sarah was mentioning her fitness background, and there's a picture in the Chicago Tribune. They've got trophies like all up mm-hmm. and down their stairwell. It's all like bodybuilding and fitness competitions. Like in and listen, I'm a broken record. I love this stuff. I've talked about it forever. In the old days, it used to be a bunch of fat guys in overalls, you know, going out there, everyone's laughing at him. Look at all the fat guys can eat, you know? And now like none of the fat guys. Badlands Booker is in his forties. Uh he's a great eater. He's a rapper. Um not as good as two live crew. Uh, but he's like one of the only like old school fatzos who still does pretty well. Most most of the eaters, it's a whole technique. Even chestnut slimmed down over the years. You actually have to be in shape to eat a lot. They're I know shredded. it it's, uh, it sounds crazy. Of course not. No, like, Kobayashi was, of course, and still oh, is ridiculously shredded. Yep. Who knows what he was taking too? Right. You know, but he red was, flag there. Insane. What are you accusing? Don't want to smear his name. But say what are we doing? He got here? yoked. Yeah. Oh, he did. He, he got, got pretty he got absolutely cut. He got it was ridiculous. Like he would, he would lift up his shirt after eating like sixty-eight, and you're like, "Wait, he has like he has a distended washboard stomach." Yep. How is that possible? <laughs> it's so it's so <laughs> weird, dude. His abs were all pressed up against the skin. It was absolutely. It was kind of gross looking. And some of these things that they eat too, like like there was a I think um, like Peeps. I've seen one too. Like I hate I hate, I hate Peeps. Eating that many Peeps would be disgusting. Yeah. I couldn't do some of the stuff that they eat. Asparagus, well, the, the, I know. The chestnut. lady we talked to earlier ate right. like sixty nine peeps in a whatever time. It was crazy. Chestnuts got the record for asparagus. So talk about what Vicaro posted. It was an old post. Yes. Uh, when he challenged you to a hot dog eating contest, and you 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 had a tough time. Yeah. So it was for charity. It was actually like the first year of Eason's existence. So, and we, I got like all I was getting all sorts of well wishes over the last like three days. Like people thought it was happening today, and I was like, I yeah, stop. Like it, it happened four years ago. It's not happening today. Um, so I had to eat seven hot dogs in 11 minutes. We had a bet on it and I got down four and a half. And the thing that killed me was not the capacity. It wasn't getting full, right? Cause I actually, I think I, if I were thinking back to that day, I had the ability to eat them all. What got me was the repetitive taste of the hot dog. It, it, Steve, by like the, by the fifth one, when I would put the hot dog in my mouth, I would dry heave cause I just couldn't take the taste. And that's what stopped me. It stopped me dead in my tracks. I could not fight through the repetitive. I don't know what it was. Was there I, a rule against condiments to uh, mask it a little bit? No, but I didn't factor it. Like there was just water. You know, yeah. it was just water dipping it in and eating it and all that. I don't think there was ketchup, which I because I didn't think about the taste being. Yeah, a could you do ketchup on a hot dog? Eat that by itself, and then put the buns off to the side and start working the buns a little bit in yeah, the water. A little bit later, probably right. a better technique than what you tried. Yes. Well, and part of the problem too was we we were setting it up. There was a small audience of like ten, um, but we had the hot dogs out there for a minute because we wanted them to cool down. But it also allowed the buns to get a little stale. 
So like when I'm separating bun from dog, there's a lot of bread sticking to the dog, and it was just it was kind of a nightmare. But that I was really surprised by how like vehemently by the time because people thought I was going to throw up by the time I put that fifth dog in my mouth because the taste it was like hitting a brick wall and I just couldn't do it. I could not do it. It's crazy, and I don't know how they do 30, 40, 50, 60, 70. No idea how any of them do it. You knew he was on the broadcast this weekend, right? On Sunday? Hmm. The broadcast team? Steve Cofield? No. no. I'm a little jealous. We got we got guy we got uh, you know guys kind of wading their way into the competitive eating world. I assume it's somebody I know. Well, it's part of the ESPN family. Who? Mike Golick Jr. Really? We'll be doing play by play. Rich Shea, I think that's part of their deal. He's the uh, one of the Shea brothers, and he's funny. He's funny. Uh, the sideline reporter, I think for the second straight year, might be his first year, is uh, Lotus Broadcasting regular. Uh, he's on every show. Jason Fitz. Oh, really? Yep. Hmm. Is Mike Golick going to claim that he is on the on the train? He is the conductor of the train. You need to get on this MLE Express. Nobody likes it like I do. Like he I, tried, I, if he like he tried to do that with my James Harden MVP thing. Wait, explain that. What did he do? Uh, there was one time. It was like two weeks after I had been like loving James Harden, and he tweeted something out like, I'm the conductor of the James Harden MVP train. Yeah. Like, well, If you're ever, the conductor, I constructed the train. Bro. We all do that from time to time. Get out of here. If, no, but if, if I see a tweet about, like, I'm the most into competitive eating. No of, one's watching this BYU game tonight. Well, that was, yeah, I remember that. That was, that was what, a basketball game? Uh, right. Yeah, like we had all bet it that night at the West Coast Conference. Yeah, but if, if Golick Jr. sent out, like, no one loves competitive eating in sports radio like I do. Holy crap. <laughs> oh, my God. Roll the tapes. You and Adam both. I just, we had a, a competitive eating couple on a half an hour or 45 minutes ago. And I, was it during the break? Was it right? I think it was during the break. I We got to the break and I was just like, yeah. I love that. I, fr- I freak out the competitive eaters. I can't wait. Every time. They're wow. like, dude, calm down. I, can't, I, I love watching it every I don't watch the. I wish I could watch the other competitions. They are more readily available to consume. You know, I was in the bathroom today. Dumping it. No, I think I was getting ready to brush my teeth. Yeah. And I was thinking about, because there's now a new organization called, uh, is it all world eating? Oh, no. Something like that. Uh, that's trying to compete with Major League Eating, and the I was like, to their I was UFC. like, they there has to be a lot more of these contests on. I've watched a bunch of streams from time to time because a lot of it's not televised, and that they're, they're like crowds are there. It's like they're cool events. Mm-hmm. I would it, love to go to one. It, it would do well. I would oh, I went. I I've been to the qualifier here in Vegas. The really? hot dog eating qualifier. Oh, it's, it's the energy, palpable. Oh, it's so awesome. Yeah, I got to do a flashback Friday if I can find the picture. Oh, I was. You know, we have, we have the original, uh, I think, as far as I know, the original eating couple in, uh, God, I can't remember the uh, the lady's first name, but Rich Lefevre, the locust, mm-hmm. um, in, Hender- what? in Henderson, I think it's Carlene. He and his wife both competed, and he was he was a pretty high-level guy. He was like 70-plus years old, and he was doing 30-plus dogs. Mm. He, he he crushed the field one year in front of New York, New York, and everyone's like, he's guy's like 68. Where's he putting all this food? Do they? I, I you would know this. Do they digest it or do they purge? I don't know. Or does I, it vary I'm, by? I'm, I'm guessing it's mixed. Yeah. If That's a lot of food to get through your system. Yeah. That must be a that next day or that night. Well, and also I'm just I don't want to get too graphic. Well, no, we can. This you is can. sports. Sure, it's sports. Wait, wait. 
Yeah, we, we show replays of guys breaking the rankles all the time. We can talk about this. I, I would assume that you know, well, the chewing, right, you're not chewing to digest. You're chewing for speed. Yeah. So there's some big chunks in there. Yep. Right? So, yep. like, if you're reversing, reversing. Uh, one whatever. of the worst moments ever. Right. Like, there's Kobe some big reversal in an overtime and eat off. Yeah. He reversed. I. Uh, that was the year I actually, you know, I, I wonder why I'm not with that lady anymore. Um, another lady I dated years ago. Uh, first of all, I would always leave a hot dog on top of the TV throughout the day. Okay. Just to honor the hot dog eating contest. Oh, I know. thought this was oh, not like every day. No, no, no. no just that day. I would leave a hot dog on top of the TV. Like, but, Steve, again? But the year that Kobayashi reversed, and for if people don't know, reversal is he yacked. Yeah. It came up, and you can't you can't throw up um, while they're, you know, when they're still finishing up the count. I actually, I, I had a great screenshot of him just reversing and just left it on the TV for the rest of the day, so... So this is my you gotta honor the legends. It's part of the competition. All right, we gotta tweet out this video. So this is one of the things I like. It's a sports science on major league eating yeah. and the hot dog eating contest from a couple of years ago. This is what a human stomach looks like. Wow, with sixty plus hot dogs in it. Wow, that's crazy. That's how big it gets. Right. Holy crap! And I mean, they're eating pounds and pounds of food. Right. Oh, it's so exciting. I can't wait to watch. And, and actually, and it finally got an answer to my question. We were talking earlier because I always thought there were different types of drinks up there. Right, not just water. When yeah. they're doing it, oh, yeah. and sure enough, it is, and it is. It's exactly what I thought. It's 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 the taste thing, which I didn't really know. So that's really cool to find out. Good info. You're becoming quite the insider on this. We've dragged you into this, unfortunately, both when you were working with us and now when you do the show. Hey, it's my job, man. But it's what I got to do. I love it. It's my job. Sports. That's right. Sports. Hey, John's other job is covering the world of gambling. So if a story comes across. That you've got a famous golfer who has tales of the past of being a complete degenerate. You tell the story, but if you do that to Phil Mickelson, apparently he gets all pissed off. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. We love Stu, yelling at people, right? Guarantees, free, 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 free. I feel like a lot of the people, uh, a lot of the betters who use guys like that um, get a bit desperate, right? And buy into that, hey, you know, I can I can save you. Is Phil Mickelson one of those guys, or was he one of those guys? I don't want to make assumptions. He is a, well, we know... Just judging by everything we know about him, he's a gambler. Yes, relatively high stakes gambler. At that no, don't know if it's relatively sharp, but large sums of money and whatnot. <clears throat> and we get a story now, courtesy of the Detroit News, because Phil Mickelson is playing in the Rock and Mortgage Classic, first time in the three year history that he's been at the event. So it's kind of newsworthy. Hey, Phil Mickelson's here. Detroit News published a story in which they attained federal records from 2007 detailing how a Michigan-based bookie allegedly cheated Mickelson out of $500,000. But keep in mind, that's actually a story where he's kind of the victim, right? He's cheated out of $500,000. He's also betting illegally. That's also part of the story, <laughs> right. right? But it's newsworthy because Phil Mickelson is in our city, right? Let's talk about this. Well, Phil didn't like it. 
and it's the only time he's appeared in this event three years that it's been there, and he's all done. Not going back. From Phil Mickelson, quote, it was so much effort for me to be here and to have that type of unnecessary attack, Mickelson said. Not like I care. It happened 20 years ago. It's just a lack of appreciation. Yeah, I don't see that happening. I don't see me coming back. Not that I don't love the people here. They've been great, but not with that type of thing happening. Why would the what's what the media has to appreciate them? Right. For also, being there. They're covering a story. And if you're a degenerate gambler and you're in the market and it's a story. Of course it is. Then you tell the story. Does he really love the people there? If he, he's going to back out of the tournament? Also, uh, bro, unnecessary attack. It's not an attack. All right. You're a public figure. Get thicker skin. I can't take these malicious facts. Right. Also, if you don't really care, why aren't you coming back? I always love that. Nah, I don't really care. Not that big of a deal. Also, I'm going to Google real quick. Phil Mickelson, insider trading. Oh, okay. Like, come I on. Mean, he, got, he got in the soup big time around the whole Billy Walters thing, and there are a lot of people who hold that against Phil Mickelson. But, again, we've talked about this before. Phil does not get the coverage that others get, and, you know, you watch him winning a major, and it's like, oh, what a hero. What a good guy. He's not like Tiger Woods. Like, right. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying Tiger's a sweetheart. He's not. But don't – don't. doesn't this give you some of the true colors? Of course it does. Right? You're going to get mad because a local, the local paper writes a story about you that's kind of fascinating. $500,000 you got bilked out of yeah, you're cheap by a Detroit bookie? Right. And, and, and it's, a, it's a cheap shot. Why, why doesn't that – why don't – I mean, the, the, well, I don't know. Does the newspaper – isn't the newspaper a sponsor of the tournament? Right. Which is dangerous because you shouldn't have to worry about crossing editorial lines, business and and editorial. Well, we have this conversation all the time. The newspapers and, and journalism and all that, they, they are not beholden to put you in the right light, right? Wow. It's only covering the story. And here's the thing. This is the kind of thing that irritates me. Like, part of Phil Mickelson's allure is stuff like this, right? Man, he's a guy's guy, right? He bets on stuff like me. He gets in over his head and makes big wagers that he probably can't afford. <laughs> Who says right? that? Yeah, I don't okay. know. Well, you know what I mean? Like there was like there was a joke I can't even remember why. So there were a couple of people when John Rahm was winning, right, uh, at the uh the US Open, right? And there's like there and he's sitting there with John Rahm's wife and everybody's chatting it up and having fun. And there's like I'll bet Phil Mickelson had a bet on John. Like that's part of the persona. Yeah. So then you don't then get to when it gets covered in a certain way, in which we kind of know that yeah, it's you, you like to gamble. They all of a sudden, like, well, this attack, I don't know where this is coming from. This is so unfair, but I don't care. But I'm not going to be back. But it's this attack. Big Five's on the way. Let's get into uh, what's happening with testing around the Olympics as the U.S. team is getting ready to go, and we've got another athlete who's in trouble. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota.